1: Semple Stadium, an iconic sporting venue. As part of a major fundraising drive, My Stadium Seat is offering you the chance to place your name or the name of someone who loves GAA on a seat at the Field of Legends. Packages from €100 Euro include seat naming plaques, certs of authenticity, online biographies and open day tickets. Show your support or make someone's Christmas. Visit mystadiumseat.com. Central Stadium, where every name matters
4: now so you're very welcome along to this week's edition of the premier review tip ga podcast I'm Thomas Conway, with me this week uh, I have Jamie Barris, Stephen Cronin Kevin Ryan Colin Purcell and Sean Smith lads, you're all going to speak at once now but welcome welcome in No response Thanks Thomas I wouldn't blame you for, uh, for remaining silent because I suppose we'll start with what is the only story in town this week hard not to feel uh, a kind of a sense of mourning almost uh, around Tipperary with the announcement of Patrick Maher's retirement. We'll get to we'll get to his career in a minute, uh, because obviously he's been outstanding in a tip jersey and a Thurless Sarsfield shirt. But I'm just wondering, uh and maybe I'll start with you, Jamie. You know, is this is this a reason to be fearful from a tip hurling perspective? Because you look at a guy like Patrick Maher, a Titan, I suppose, in the game, and you think of the likes of Limerick, that, that Limerick forward line, their physicality have we anyone to step in and, and fill the void, if not immediately, over over a more long term perspective?
1: Uh, I don't think you fill. <clears throat> don't think you fill the void of Parry Mar that easily, uh, Thomas. Um, I think probably the closest player we have to Parry would be Ronan uh, or Mikey Breen, physicality wise. Um, you would have liked to see him go on for another couple of years, you know, with with that possible tussle with Limerick down the line. Um, we needed his physicality and his experience. Um, filling that five down the line, rolling to three, I don't know. I'd much rather him at six, to be honest. But if that if needs much whatever's best for the team, I suppose. Um, yeah. Maybe John Barry at six down the line.
4: Yeah, I kind of feel myself. I mean, would it be a shame to sacrifice rolling as such a such a quality hurler, Stephen? What do you think? Does that kind of is that almost strangling his ability? Because I, I would see Ronan was one of Tip's Tip's best herders in terms of style and
0: finesse. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I don't think um, Con Baller now should sacrifice Ronan. I think a backline now should be built around Ronan. Ronan at six, thats we all know that's his best position. And he, he He's on the front foot as a six. And I think um, uh, to fill the number three jersey, they have to go find someone within the squad that's already there. Look, I suppose Seamus Kennedy has done the job as well at, at times, but I just don't think you take Ronan Maher out of the half-back line now.
4: Okay, well, Patrick Maher is taken out of the half-back line and looking looking at his career as a whole, start with you, him? maybe. I mean, what, what did he bring to the tip fold? I suppose people will say physicality, they'll say steel, but I mean, what were the qualities that kind of set him apart uh, as a hurler? Um as well as an athlete.
3: I suppose Thomas, you know, to those of us that were rared on, you know, great stories of Tipperary teams in the nineteen sixties and nineteen fifties and nineteen forties, Pork Maher was a throwback to that. He was a real sort of a Coo Cullen figure. He was very, very brave, very, very strong, very, very tough, very, very uncompromising, very good under the high ball, you know, a sweet strike with a ball able to give it, able to take it, you know, all the things really that you'd look for in a hurler Padraig Marr had. I suppose the first time I saw him play would have been around 2-6, two, 2-7 two, in those minor teams that that, that won all Ireland against Cork and Galway. He had a famous tussle against Canning in Crow Park. I, I was at at that game. And I suppose he really launched himself onto the, I suppose, the psyche of, of us all at the 2009 league final in Turles when we were, beaten by Kilkenny in extra time and obviously went on to have a great All-Ireland final, you know, after that when we lost. Um, and, and one abiding memory actually I have of that game is at the end there was a picture of Pawdy laying absolutely crestfallen on on, on, on the turf in Crow Park and probably... That picture summed up how all of us were feeling at, at, at you know at the end of that game. But mm-hmm. we knew that Paddy was coming, and there was more. You know, there was those was other lads, Noel and, and Brendan and, and Bonner, and the rest of them were coming as well. So, you know, we took a little bit of solace from that. But you know, Poirik was everything that you wanted in a defender. As I said, he had all the, all the attributes of a defender and, and, and as of a man. And he was a guy that the Tipperary jersey just you know it just fitted on him. He he wore that the way you want your Tipperary harders to wear it, you know?
4: Yeah, and, and you said defender there, and he actually demonstrated versatility as a defender because when he first came in, I think a lot of people might have said, this guy is going to be tips full back for, for years to come. You know, he has that position nailed down. And yet, Kevin, he kind of he emerged then and, and, you know, fulfilled a role in, in the half-back line. What do you make of that? Is that down, you know, did you see that early on? Or, or is that something that kind of emerged as he matured?
2: I, I suppose we all talk about, you know, in body, Myers' growth as a player, that, you know, he, he had probably one, one poor day in a tip, tip jersey as against Isaac Had been in 2010 at fullback. And after that, they reconfigured the team and he really found his feet quickly there. Um, I don't think he he grew into it. I think he was just born to be a Tipperary hurler. I think, you know, two things I think would be consistency and leadership. And he's just so consistent and um just just his leadership from the day he went into the jersey tip might have had a dip when he was there but Paulie certainly didn't
4: yeah yeah and that was evident I bring it around to you Sean I'm wondering like do you think Paulie Mar would have would have blossomed as much uh, what if he hadn't belong, uh, belonged to such a, a generation of tip players if he hadn't been kind of Nurtured by Liam Sheedy and that team You know, is he a player Which would have stood out Or did he benefit from kind of the game And the structure which they played
5: Um, I would have been kind of hard a park Well, attempting hard of a park like I call it, up along there um, From say, under 8s, under 10s Under 11 in Scudalva Coming in balls because he was centre back Like So he had, he was Back then he was different He, was, yeah. he just knew he had something and the coaches that when he's involved in Scott Alvin, Doris Og and Turtles CBS, they knew that. And like, there's so many the people that made part of They say, along with himself. Like, but up along could see it coming. That was a golden generation to speak in Turtles well at the time. he would Pa Burke, Nicky yeah. Geese, Michael Cal. There's a lot of names that have played in the county around that time. And just look, he was in there and he was one that just kind of towered above everyone else for his consistency and just to keep it going year in, year out without injury until the fatal injury now, like, no thought.
4: Yeah, and I'm just thinking, this is slightly tangential now, but the role of Thurlis CBS, the the role of uh, second-level college is hurling. I mean, if you look at the tip players of, I suppose, recent years, and maybe it's always been the case, you know, they have benefited immensely from the college's structure, and Thurlis, you know, were exceptionally strong in those years. How how valuable is that to tip hurling? I mean, we have a couple of hurling nurseries there. Let's with you, Jamie. Like, I mean, clearly it, it was it was brilliant for Podrick Maher. Do you think it still has the same impact in terms of producing players and personnel? I think it does.
1: It's a very high level of hurling. Um, you know, it's, it's as close to Intercounty as you're going to get without mm. playing Intercounty. You're playing with the best players from different clubs, different schools. Um, and playing with better players is makes you a better player yourself Uh, Mm -hmm. ask anyone who plays the game really Um, I think it has a place Uh, I know we're going to talk later on about Fitzgibbon crossover with Intercounty and stuff like that but I think it certainly does have a place that players can showcase their talents I'm sure Intercounty managers are watching all these Fitzgibbon Cup games as well as club championship games uh, especially the split season coming up Um, yeah definitely has a place
4: yeah, and I mean, sure, you know, I suppose Thurlis is a, a traditional hotbed. Thurlis Oak has to play a big role there as well. But getting back around to, to, you know, to the tip team and this this particular generation or crop of tip players. I mean, Podrick is, is a massive spiritual leader, so he's a massive spiritual loss. Stephen, I mean, who is going to fill the void and take on the mantle? I, I assume Ronan.
0: Uh, yeah Obviously party. You knowing we not being able To hurl Is going to Force For want of a better word New leaders in the team And um, You know Who would that be We don't know yet We won't know Because uh, Until This bit of adversity you Now For the forthcoming the season Like Potty I mean, Maybe not. not But see the, I think the thing with party is party is Once in a lifetime You know I don't, I'd be, if I, at my age now, if I see another party Mar playing for Tipperary in the next 20 or 30 years, I'd be a happy, ma- like the last, I know I keep happening around about it, but the last throwback to Paddy Mar type player or, or someone who, who, uh, who, what did I say, who excited the Hurling public was Mick Roach. That was the 60s. You know, mm. we didn't have, we didn't have someone like him until Paddy Markerman. You know, we, we, can, we can talk about filling voids and this and that. <clears throat> Paddy Mar not playing for Tipperary now uh, in a forced retirement is is a void that it's too big to fill. Someone's just going to come in there, be their own man, and and do their job. But filling the void of Paddy Mar now, I don't think it's going to happen for a long, long time. You know, I think he's going to be missed. Like, we talk about, you know, Paddy's heroics the, Blocking balls with his hand, and you know, all the, but first and foremost, Paulie Mar was a brilliant, hurl, is a brilliant hurler. Because his brilliance first, all the other stuff came with it, but he was an exceptional hurler, you know. And I, I don't know, like, I know we said it earlier, like, you know, thankfully, it is not a, a tragedy, a, a personal tragedy, you know, but Paulie Mar not hurling now is a, an absolutely gigantic blow to Prairie hurling.
4: Well, it is, and and I might move around to Colin on this. I mean, Colin, do you do you have faith in in your namesake, in your namesake in Colin Bonner in his ability to execute a game plan with the players he has a game plan that's capable of, of taking on the likes of Limerick and um, and I suppose Cork.
3: Well, I suppose, Thomas. First of all, what I'd say is you know to answer your your first question. I don't. I, I think Paddy Maher is pretty much irreplaceable. Yeah. I I don't know if you go about replacing Paddy Maher. I think he's actually irreplaceable, you know. And, and as Stephen said there, you know he's as good a hurler as has ever played for Tipperary. And and you know I, I can't emphasise that enough. As regards c- Colin Bonner and, and what sort of game plan he's going to have to come up with or who's going to lead this, I suppose really you'd be looking at the the All Ireland winning minor team from 2012. That group really now should be in the prime. You know, so we're we're looking at Mikey Breen. You're looking at John McGrath. You're looking at Sham Kennedy. That sort of age group of guys. Now, they're the guys that are going to have to step up to the plate now and be leaders. And sometimes, you know, with a guy like Paddy Mara in the dressing room, you know, a, a dominating guy like that, maybe it it holds back some fellas in a funny kind of a way. Mm. And maybe the, the the other guys will see, well, Paulie's gone now. And it's, you know, I'm going to step forward now and lead. But I I, I still go back to what I said. I think Paulie Mar is irreplaceable. And trying to replace Paulie Maher, trying to put somebody in, you know, instead of Paulie Mar or, or to do Paulie Maher's job is, is, is next or near impossible. And, and in fairness to Colin Bonner, you know he has been dealt a couple of you know a couple of blows already before before the season starts. You think about Brendan obviously retiring before Christmas, Paddy now having to retire, Bubbles injured. You know d- 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 these are these are hammer blows. You know and and it very much strikes me now as you know I was saying this to a couple of friends yesterday. Tipper going into a transition phase now. There's no other way of saying this. And, and my hope is that throughout this transition phase that we stay very competitive and what I mean by that is that we don't drop off the radar like we did possibly in the 90s for a while and in the mid 2000s if you remember Mm. where you know we as we say kind of we were at nothing really when you think about it you know and and I just hope that the loss of these guys and particularly party now that that Colin Bonner can keep us competitive at least keep us competitive keep us challenging because in fairness to Kilkenny they lost guys, you know, of equal stature to the, the likes of JJ Delaney and Tommy Welsh and these boys, you know, in a short period of time. And Cody, albeit in Leinster, has kept them very competitive. They're in Leinster finals, they're winning in Leinster finals, they're in league finals. So I think the challenge now for Colin Bonner is to make sure a tip in relevant and, and and build through this and come out the other side of it again, because there'll always be good hurdlers in Tipperary, always. That's my mantra. Anybody who knows me, I'll always say they'll always be harder in Tipperary. You know, there may not be another Pauly Maher for a while, but there'll be others. Guys will come along. They'll put on that jersey, and you know we won't be down for too long, whatever
4: happens. Okay, well, I'll tell you what. I'll throw out a question there. It's just after coming to my mind. A bit left of field, Kevin. Can Can you imagine the likes of Pauly Maher and Brendan uh, yeah. and Brendan Maher in a management role in in say a decade's time? Because I mean, you know, they've done it all in the game. They can read the, you know, pretty good uh, judgment skills, ability to read the game. Can you see that prospect materialising?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I'd be surprised if it took a decade, to be honest. Yeah. Um, I, I think when you look at, look at the, the kind of attributes that they have as well, Brendan, like, or in, in his job, you know, is like between his S&C, between working with Tenio, he seems a very organised person as well, yeah. as well as his kind of on-the-field attributes as well. Party definitely as well. I mean, who wouldn't respond to him coming into in mm. room room They're being involved. I'd, yeah, I I'd, I'd love to see him get involved. Maybe you know, give it a year and re- reflect. Maybe do do the media circuit for a couple of years. But I think at uh, tip underage, there has to be a phone call. Go to party. I think um, so, sooner rather than later, about get getting involved, getting them in there.
4: Sean thoughts?
5: Yeah, i um, like Parik. Didn't expect this, and like you're going to have a void to fill. Um whether it's on the sideline, on a field, on a home in a or from Dr. Morris' development squads like he's, everyone knows him. Like, his name alone, being in St. Dresden with him, being a coach, whether on 15 or 17 or up along like, they're going to give everything he got. And if he can even give that to, say, a fraction of them players, like what he has and why why he is so consistent as he was, if he can give that to one or two of them players, and they developed, then already so... Like he's going to be around, he's not going to be disappearing. But I feel like he has everything at the moment, he can step in straight away, even if but feelings might take kind of break out and go even into media side of it. Or you know, his name is used to when he's older. yeah, yeah, make, no, make money that way as well. Why not as well? Yeah, no, it'll
4: be interesting to see how it pans out. I want to get on to tips, uh, tips national league campaign. Um, it's obviously just about to kick off. Looking at the league and looking at this year's championship, how you know what is it real? What is realistic to expect from Tip? I mean, where do you see this team, this team going, Jamie, in the next couple of months?
1: Uh, what's realistic? Um, I suppose you want to be very competitive, uh, depending on what team uh, Conor Bonner selects. But I'm sure he wants to go out after this week's new they get a win on Saturday against Leash, you know it won't be easy without' down Port Leash. Um, but I think the tip public will want to win Straight out of the blocks you know. I um, don't feel winning the league We haven't won one in 14 years It doesn't seem to be a high priority But I still would like us to do well in the league And you'd be hoping that we get out of Munster It won't be easy But our aim should be to get out of Munster at a minimum You know that, That's the bare minimum for any temporary team Is to be competing at the
4: business end of the championship Okay, uh, we'll go to Okay, look, I'll come back to you, Sean I mean, to unpick Limerick, like, and I don't want to make this all about Limerick, but, you know, they do set the benchmark these days. I mean, how do you stop Keane Lynch conducting the orchestra there up front? Because are we physically at a level where we can match them? I suppose that's the number one question.
5: At the moment, we're not. And, like, we're going to try different ways to match them, but, like, as far as I can see, a lot of counties have tried things over the last two or three years against Limerick, and it's failed. Like every county in the same boat, bar Limerick, are trying this tactical match plan. You need everything going away, but the one thing is to put up a show and not be completely out gone. Like like They stand on these ads, to keep the ball away from them. They're animals at the end of the day, some of these players. Like, and to be honest, over the years, we had teams that were as good as this, maybe at a power. Like Kenny like over the years were the same. They were just dominating, but... Every county's back to draw board at the moment. Then I think once is going to be very interesting on the kind of who's second best at the moment, and there's a right fight for that. I feel.
4: Yeah, well, it's interesting because okay, we've established you can't outmuscle them, you can't outrun them. That didn't work for Cork in the All Ireland final. So I mean, Stephen, like, if you were Colin Bonner, I mean, what way would you be shaping your team? Would you be, you know, would it be a short stick passing game? Would you be dropping men back and playing defensively?
0: What's the best well, no, I, I wouldn't. What I, uh, first of all, what I'd be doing is I'd begin to know my players, their strengths and weaknesses, and I'd be implementing a game plan and a style for Tipperary, first and foremost. You know, like if we if we if we um if we go down the route of what can we do to beat Limerick? Now, look, Limerick are clear favourites for all Ireland this year ahead of everyone else. If we go down the route of what can we do to beat Limerick? Watford will beat us. You know, we have to focus, I think, on Tipperary only. The personnel that we have, how do we get the very best out of them? Like, a lot of people are forgetting because of the, the implosion. For, 50, for what, 40 minutes, 45 minutes last year, 45 to 50 minutes, Tipperary devoured Limerick. Yeah. You know, I know the last 20 wasn't nice viewing, but...
4: Well, Limerick like as I said, uh, last 20
0: they, they, they did, but for 50 minutes, for 40 minutes, 45 minutes Tipperary development, we have the hurlers there. Now, they're on a different level fitness-wise and, you know, they're way further into the programme. But I think for us to, for me, a successful year now, I know a Tipperary man shouldn't be saying it, but for a, a successful year for Tipperary now it should be competing, competing for to whole, or in semi-final Or final You know I, I think it's, we're a few years away now From toppling Limerick And uh, I think All our focus Is just going to Tipperary What we can do How we can improve our players How we can get the best Out of our players and come up with Our own way of hurling, And implement that in games Limerick They have some talent They're great talent But they have their plan They style the system And they 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 implement their system In games To get the best out of them they're not playing Tipperary and creating an, uh, an, a one-off game day tactics just to beat Tipperary. They're doing their style, their way, and it's about enforcing it. enforcing your will on the game. And I just think uh, if we obsess about Limerick and, and what we do to topple them, we'll be caught in the hop by someone else. And I think we should just focus on ourselves, get the best out of ourselves, create our own style of playing game plan and, well, and move forward what, I... like that.
4: I want to say one element of, of that, or, but one potential element of that game plan, and that is the role of, of the goalkeeper. And I might come to you on this, Colin, because, uh, you know, we've seen a lot of it. We saw on last weekend, the lights of Began and, and Morgan from Monaghan and Tyrone. We see the influence which the keeper is having on Gaelic football. There's an interview with Brian Hogan in today's Irish Times, very interesting piece. He talks about, you know, having vertigo and um, following, I think, a knock in... Uh, in 2020 you know there's obviously going to be a contest between himself and barry hogan for that number one spot is there a way that they can they can orchestrate tip's game plan you know from from that position how vital how vital could the the goalkeeping position be for tip
3: well look thomas i mean it's very very it's very very vital is the answer to that but I suppose the first thing we probably, or the management at least needs to do is settle on who actually is the number one goalkeeper. Because, you know, I, I, I'm a little bit confused myself at times as to who our number one is. We went from Brendan Cummins, you know, being in goal for, for, for 15 years as our number one, then on to Darren Gleeson as our number one. And, you know, the last few years, have seen both of the Hogans, you know, swap over and back as, as between our number one goalkeeper. And, and you know, whilst... <laughs> One seems to have a better puck out than the other and that he's driving it longer. You know, I, I, neither of them really, really convince me uh, shot-stopping-wise or distribution-wise. You know, Brian has a monstrous puck out. Is well,
4: shot-stopping shot even as important? I, I, I know I'm I'm hyper-focusing on Limerick here, but they don't tend to score a lot of goals. No. Um, and Cork are similar.
3: Yeah, but, you know, to me, a, a goalkeeper's first duty is to stop the ball from from going into the net. Do you know what I mean? And and I, I can't recall the temporary goal, either the two Tipperary goalkeepers making any brilliant saves in the last few years. In fact, if I think back to the 2019 All-Ireland winning, you know, if you look at the goals that Wexford even scored that day in Crow Park, I, I, my memory is certainly if I was in, in, in the Upper Davin that day, and I thought one or two of them certainly could have been stopped. I think it's interesting maybe, you know, to to look at at at, at the lads' clubmate there, um, Dennis Mara going into full forwards. That's that's mm-hmm. possibly a, a, a switch that Colin Bonner is going to look at. That maybe maybe he's looking at a big man at the edge of the square. You know, put ball down on top of him, try and you know win win his fair share of ball in there. And if he's not winning, it, he's breaking it to to, to lads like Jake Morris or. John McGrath, whoever it, whoever it will be, that will be in the full forward line. But to answer your question, I think we probably need to settle on a goalkeeper first of all before we even think about what tactics we're going to employ with that goalkeeper. Barry seems to be the number one at the moment, and and certainly the view is that his his short range game, if we could call it that, seems to be a little bit better. While Brian obviously has a monster monster puck out as well, and you know, are we talking about putting the ball down onto the twenty one into, into Dennis Mar? But you know, that's easy enough to defend against as well. You get enough men in around there. It's, you know, it, it, it's easy. And, you know, not to be hogging this, but how many times are we at games where a couple of short puck go wrong and the crowd go absolutely mental? You know, it's the crowd just want the ball popped as far down the field as they can. And, and you know, to finish on it, I suppose, the one fear I'd have for Colin Bonner on Sunday or on Saturday evening against Leash and against Kilkenny the following week the tip public don't take experimentation or defeats well. You know, all of us are familiar with the phrase meltdown because we see it happening, you know, among the support a, a lot of the time. And if Colin experiments too much and doesn't get a couple of early wins under his belt, I'd be, see, I'd be afraid that the knives might be out quick enough. So as Stephen said earlier on there, we probably just need to be a little bit realistic in our expectations for this year. And as I said earlier on, i'm I'm happy if, we're, if we stay relevant and competitive because you know I, I do think there's a couple of teams ahead of us at the moment, and that pains me to say that, mm-hmm. but there is.
4: Kevin, what you think? Go route one, lob the ball on top to Dennis Marr? yeah I'm, I'm I'm just thinking of I'm just thinking of you know the,
2: the tip or people at the games kind of you know cr- crying out when they um when a, when a short pocket goes wrong, hit it. like if, <laughs> you know it's like um Henry Ford said um if he asked the people what they wanted they said faster horses, I think shorter <laughs> pockets are here to stay. I would say that um, the most important thing for a goalkeeper now is accuracy um, up, up to the 65, being able to ping it um, into a wing back, into a midfielder, making a run and fast and pace. Um, and I was saying maybe Barry Hogan definitely has an edge on that there at the moment. I don't think Colin Bonner. Um, I don't think we could definitively say who's number one is yet. I think the two keepers would probably rotate over, over the league and uh, it's a wait, wait and see then. But yeah, if uh, uh, probably for me, I think a, a goalkeeper's long puck is probably the least important um, element to the to the game.
0: Mm.
4: That's interesting. OK, well I'll tell you what, I mean, whatever about hurling, uh, the goalkeeper's kick out in football is arguably the most important aspect of the game. I wasn't at the tip game uh, down in Dungarvan last weekend, but I saw, you know, uh, Shane brophy from the Guardian w- was reporting on it. He said, you know, the tip keeper... Uh, did make some encroachments out the field and, and was kind of playing that sweeper sweep, uh, keeper style Jamie I'll, I'll I'll come to you first draw with Waterford it probably isn't the most promising result for the first game of the no. league because it's a competitive division like
1: no it wasn't really and the fact that Waterford had a 45 to win it and didn't take it we probably got out of jail a little bit uh, so look we should be beating Waterford like, we won the Munster championship what, three years ago uh, we were competing in other in semi-finals. We've gone backwards in the last couple of years. I think. There's lots of quality players that aren't part of the panel for a variety of reasons. How true they are, I don't know. But like missing the likes of Mike Quinn living, Brian Fox just retired. They're huge players for Tipperary. Um, Connor Sweeney is kind of plowing a lone furrow up there as probably our, our best player. And by all accounts, we didn't, didn't play to his strengths, and he didn't get enough ball and he couldn't do enough damage. So... I, I don't I'm, think we're going dead of power struggling at the moment
4: now, if you ask me. So. Yeah, he's a man under pressure, and I mean, nobody doubts his dedication in that. You know, he's he's hugely Absolutely. determined and committed. But I'm just looking at the... I, I'm, I'm looking at Clare last weekend, you know, a fabulous win, uh, and they're a lovely football side, but you can't help but think, you know, where have the path Paths diverge between between Tip and Flair because you know what is the difference there. You know you would say looking at the team that they're both at a similar level. Stephen, like, can you can you unpick it? Can you do you know why Tip just have failed to 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 capitalise on, on their potential in recent years? I.e., this. I, I, yeah,
0: I I couldn't I couldn't um answer that uh, without any real conviction, but I suppose. Probably one uh, aspect to it is whether they whether they realise it or not. Maybe a bit of an age is gone since winning the the monster title. Like that's winning the monster title for Tipperary senior football was is phenomenal achievement. It'll yeah. be remembered forever. You know, does it take some sort of an age because it's not something we're ever we're used to? Yeah, you know, like with Kerry, a monster title is just it's it's um standard. You know, and you move on. It's all early. With Tip monster title for us. In real realistic terms, it was the pinnacle of intercounty football, you know, and there was going to they were never gonna not saying they were never gonna reach them heights again, but reaching them heights again was going to be very hard. Is winning that Munster title after taking the edge off a small bit. And plus a big player for that Munster championship was Connor Reardon, who's gone back to Australia as well, you know. A big leader at that time as well. And so they're down a few lads, a few lads getting a little bit older. It's it's just hard to see where it, where the where the, the good days are going to come from again.
4: Kevin, you want us to come in there? Yeah, I just think we had a golden generation
2: of footballers in around that kind of minor, course, we that were mentioned there the harders in 2012, but the the footballers kind of winning the All Ireland in 2011, I think it was, and you know they've been true now. But at that time, you know Kerry were didn't really, they, you know they were they had to put in place a new plan to get their underage structures in place. They reaper. There were awards later on, but I think it was five in a row minor and yeah, hips underage structure has you know over the last few years as a passive observer, the results have been very very poor, and you know be it a club level or inter county level, that all feeds through up along the line and we uh, I think we're in that position now. Um, you know we're in for hardly like past that golden generation of, of fine footballers as I said now who are who are going going their separate ways as you do in your kind of late twenties and that and you know yeah just. We talk about being in transition in the but again, football, I think we're we're in for a couple of lean years. But you know what? Like you you mentioned Claire there as well. I think that you know, Claire have been very consistent under um under under manager, I forget his second Colum, name call him Yeah, Colin yeah. Collins over the last few years. But like they did partly swap their, you know, division two football and and you know their 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 solid results for the Munster medal that Tip have, you know, in an instant. And, you know, our yeah. lads have been, have had the highs, like, you know, there's a few lows in there as well. Like, but, you know, with like yeah, that no, group I, of given us all that and so many highs, of so fair play we might say.
4: Yeah, no, you can't understate their achievements. And, and I think they're still, you know, I think the lads like Stephen O'Brien, you know, still have a lot to give. I mean, Cullen, we we discussed the Waterford game last Friday prior to it. Uh, we discussed tips, tip's league campaign. Like, I mean, promotion from Division 4 is, is still very much a prospect. Uh, w- was there anything from Sunday that you think tip need to, to focus on in particular?
3: Yeah, well, look at it. I I mean, look, th- people were disappointed with the results initially last Sunday. I can understand that, you know, but I didn't think it was, you know, the worst result in the world. You know, I heard people saying, Oh, because we didn't win on Sunday, we now can't get promoted. I, I don't I don't agree with that. I think, you know, league football, league hurling, you know, results are up and down. Okay. This is a very, very competitive division, you know. Cavan, Sligo, Tip, Waterford, Carlow, Wexford, Leitrim, london will all look at each other and say we can win on any given day against any any given team. So I think the one That's solace I would take, yeah, yeah, <laughs> the one the one solace I would take from this is that you know we didn't lose, okay, and the other teams will 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 beat each other. But having said that, there is a bit of pressure a bit of added pressure, I suppose, in playing Leitrim on Sunday because Leitrim lost last Sunday. If Leitrim were to lose again this Sunday, they'll be, you know, they'll see that it'll be very hard to qualify. So they'll be coming to Turles thinking, right, we have to win this. And similarly, Tipper will be going into Turles thinking, you know, we need to get something out of this now. We can't really afford not to win for a second week in a row. or we are going to find ourselves, you know, possibly being cut adrift because the games are coming thick and fast as we know. Um, just to touch on a couple of things, the boys said. I suppose, look, six players made their debut last Sunday for Tip. We can't, we can't ignore that. You know that that's that's a big turnover of players. You know, I'd be very surprised if there's anything like six players starting on the hurling team. New de- debuts on, on the hurling team next ne- next Saturday night. So, you know, th- that has to be that has to be looked at. Um, as well, like <laughs> Waterford football, I know we can laugh and joke about superpowers and that, you know, I, I know the club scene down in Waterford and I think I said it to you last Friday, Thomas, mm-hmm. you know, some good footballers in Waterford that, that going down to field was never going to be easy. And really, I suppose that the, the true test of this will be to see how other teams get on when they have to go down to field and see how they'll get on down there. And and I bet you they won't get anything easy down there either. But I suppose all we can do now is move on from last Sunday, move on to Leitrim now and I really do think we need to get something out of the Leitrim game. I think if we lose against Leitrim, we're in big trouble then. Then you're two games into it, you've only one point, and there's teams going ahead of you, above you. You know, there, some teams will be sitting on four points, obviously, on s- s- Sunday evening. And that's quite a gap then to make up, you know?
4: Yeah, no. And Effie Fitzgerald is in charge of Waterford, we must remember, and he'll want to make his mark down there. Sean, I'll move over to you. I'll tell you what. I was listening to the football pod, to off the ball during the week. And um, James O'Donoghue was on, he, he he's new to the fold there. He was just talking about the the intensity of Kerry training and the fact that you know his body just wasn't able for. Like, is that what sets apart from the football and culture and all that? We we know that, but I mean, do Tip lack an intensity at the moment? I mean, are they? physically and athletically they're obviously not at the level of the top counties but they don't seem to be at you know at division three division two level. you know Stephen you mentioned that maybe the monster title had, had taken the you know the bite the enthusiasm do you, do you think that could be um, you know do you think that could be a reason?
5: And um, from watching through the football league games for the weekend there you see the size football game has changed it's all about speed running holding possession, taking a tackle. Um like this fund's not above and and I might win and watch the old lads see it again. But like even looking at them, will they, they won't look anywhere near that. But the thing is, are we division two or three team at the moment? We may have peaked as well a said there, we had that golden generation, we got one title, we done that, but like are we up at that level? There's no point laughing and saying we are, but if we're nowhere near to not him But then it comes from see on the field our structures underage like, have underage success, their device tipped on earlier as well, like, there's nothing coming up there, football under level, kind of underage, um, any kind of, not dominating, but even winning, kind of them events that are going on in competitions, and being competitive, to kind of go with it, oh, maybe people come back around again, but at the moment, like, I don't watch much football, but from what I can see in here, we're kind of going one direction, at the moment, is not the right place to go. going, but that can easily turn around, like, that crop we had about Dublin, that minor final, it's in the hill that day. It says I'm three to us up there, and like that was one lifetime thing. And like, what say that kind of crop can't come round again if they're nurtured right.
4: Well, well, they beat Dublin in a minor final. They were within touch and distance of Tyrone uh, in a in an under twenty one final. Mm. Jamie, I mean, like, how do? And I suppose look, they they won a monster title, a, a famous, an historic monster title, two years ago. But I mean. Like, surely there is more in this side. I just feel myself, you know, they, they do have more to give. They do have more in them. But I think it's it's a question of how do they awaken that?
1: Yeah, good question. I'd say uh, David Power loves to know the answer to it. Um, it's, hard, it's hard to call, Thomas. I mean, we, we go, <clears throat> as I said previously, we were flying it a couple of years ago, beating the likes of Armagh and Galway and these teams, which are big, big players. Like, you know, they're, they're big teams in, in inter-county football. Uh, we had obviously we had a lot stronger panel back then, but like there, there is lots of quality here. Like you look at Clamell and, and a lot more of being competitive at Monster Champions Championships uh, club wise. Uh, I I just don't think I don't think we're at the level we're at because that golden generation we spoke about they were they were very well nurtured, and I don't see the same happening at the moment. Go back to the, the dual player debate with Lean Cal like twenty sixteen are two players, and they're just choosing one sport over the other, and you're losing quality footballers maybe from every club that are only picking hurling. Like I mean, look at Souths. We we play junior football every so often, but there's lots and lots of good footballers in our club I'm sure it's the same in lots of other strong hurling clubs. Just you know, they don't get exposed to it, and as a result, Tipperary football suffers because they have a smaller pick. You know, hurling wise, you can pick from the whole county football wise. You're picking from a handful of clubs. It's a big difference.
4: Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, the number of clubs, I mean, you know, you talk about the number of football clubs, the number of ladies football clubs in the county is expanding rapidly, which is great to see. You know, they have a very interesting year ahead ahead of them. I followed them for most of last season. They eventually avoided relegation uh, with an emphatic win over Tyrone. Um, Colm, I'll come to you first. I mean... Where do you see this Tip Ladies football side going? Peter Creighton is a very experienced manager. Um, he'll be highly ambitious. And, and, you know, I'm just thinking once Orla Dwyer, once Ashley McCarty, Ashley, come back into the fold there, you know, you couldn't help but feel optimistic about Tip this year
3: yeah and and look you know locally here i i, I was following Mullinahones' uh progress in the ladies football junior club championship you know they 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 they've had great success this year so it sort of re, it reiterates the point that you've made about tipperary's ladies football ladies football be, being on the up and the participation level in tipperary sorry in, in in club in ladies club football in tipperary i don't think it has ever been higher mm. i think there was a there there may have been a couple one or two Issues last year with Declan Carr and his management team. I, I, I got the impression from talking to a couple of people about it that all was not well at times in the camp. And, you know, I think a change was needed there. I think Declan sort of had enough of the job and maybe the, the job had enough of Declan, if I could put it like that. So yeah. Peter Cregan comes in now. He, he's a very, very well-respected football guy. You know, he's been around around the parishes, as the fella says, with, with different clubs and with different inter county teams, and I think a new voice and a new broom in there, and the return of some of the girls that you mentioned there back into back into the back into the the setup should 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 make for a for, for a very you'd hope for a, for a very exciting and, and and more successful year this year. I think at times last year we struggled a little bit. You know, there was a couple of games that they lost that I think they they, they thought that they might have won. And then there was a couple of bad performances towards the end of the campaign. But as I said, I'm, I, I just got the impression from speaking to a couple of people involved that all was not well in the camp all the time. So look, new broom this year, you know, everybody has a clean slate, a couple of people coming, a couple of girls coming back into the team and hopefully they can, they can kick on now and, and, you know, be competitive, as we were saying about our, our hurlers and our, and our footballers, you know. But I, th- I think it, across all three, across our hurlers, our footballers, our, our ladies footballers, our camogie's, just from talking to people around the county, I don't know that the lads find this, there seems to be a bit of a sort of a negative air about our prospects this year across all all, all the the grades and, and, and sexes. And I don't know how the lads picked up on that. You know, people are a bit unsure this year which is something that we're not normally in Tipperary.
4: yeah well I'll come to you on that Kevin I, I spoke to Bill Mulaney during the week um, and he seemed quite optimistic the Kamoki team seemed to be in a good place but uh, like would you share Colin's assessment there that there's a bit of kind of negativity amongst the public
2: what I, th- I think probably listen to the first 45 minutes or so 40 minutes of this podcast you're probably picking up on that we're saying oh we have been in transition and we're not going to win at them. and then you know, other lads. If we get out of monster and talk about the the senior hardlers, back to them again. And you know, I know like if we get out of monster, it'll be a success kind of thing. And you know, in football, we're division four side and promotion might be gone. So yeah, these kind of things self sustaining might accept um, lower standards and and you know and lesser performances as well. If in that you know, party then is a hammer blow probably to cap it all off. But you know, I, I'm really hoping for a performance on Saturday and maybe the footballers get back in the. um in the stadium, give a performance, then beat Leach from Everton's back on track there. As Colin said, there was issues last year in the ladies football. I see Mead and that, you know, came from nowhere to win an All-Ireland there. Mm. Maybe over three year period, we could, um you know, do kind of aim towards, uh, aim towards getting very competitive in that championship. And as I said, Komogi, we've been in semi-finals the last couple of years where, you know, hopefully be able to make a, make a bit of a leap there as well. So like, yeah, they're, are definitely grounds for opt- optimism. Under-20 hurlers are doing a lot of training under Brendan Cummins there, minor minor hurlers there. Like, so there's programmes in place. And I, I think, you know, 2022 isn't, isn't, let's not forsake the year yet. Like Hopefully we'll be lighting bonfires for some, at least one of our teams coming down from Dublin and whenever it is in July or, or whatnot yet.
4: Well, hopefully we will. You talk about players there, and I want to come on to an issue which has caused... It's caused a furore, I suppose, in media over the past couple of years. And it's the issue of player welfare when it comes to playing with multiple teams across multiple competitions, uh, be it Fitzgibbon, Sigerson Cup, um, or the ladies' colleges' tournaments. And then, you know, players having to play with their counties and clubs as well. I'll start with you, Sean. I mean, is there an unfair burden on players these days? Uh, Like, they are voluntary athletes. I know this question has been recycled and regurgitated but I mean really are we asking too much of them or or is is this the reality of life as a, as an elite GA player because we are here talking about the elite players
5: um, like the season was split inter-county one six months club six months for everyone to make it at that may be different some say but then you have club school hurling hard to cope and college hurling in the mix of both of them and like if you're a top player you're playing all of them. There's no two ways about. It. Like there's reports there, players getting injured in Sigerson and Fitz games, and over the past few weeks, um, even in town here, I know Merrimack College had a match there last week, and one or two lads got knocks that were playing, and their prospects in the county with the county team, more we independent, in but like they're gone now for that. So it's a knock on effect. They're playing on a Wednesday, they train the county team on a Friday, might match weekend with the county again. It's French land lads, and then. Meanwhile, these lads are in college. I know some Miss us college, lads don't do that. But they're also trying to get through a course to maybe, you know, up to the walls in. Um, yeah. There's no window for that college hurling. Like, would it be a thing of playing it off or maybe a weekend kind of a blitz thing? Again, it degrades down. As Jamie mentioned earlier on, college hurling is near the next best team, Tinder County. Like, they're scoring there last night as far well, as so there was 6, 6-19 each in a game or something No, So the standard is. Yeah. Defending may be good, but the forwards were top class like so that needs something looked at college the assessment give them a window and and if they can play county for them two or three weeks you know kind of well, agree I'll with s- other counties
4: I'll just give you a scenario I was talking to a rugby referee during the week and he told me the school system in rugby, which is obviously hugely beneficial to the provinces and to the country, it, it channels through high-quality players, but it has been corrosive uh, to the club game. A lot of clubs, the, your traditional clubs around Limerick, the likes of Gary Own, uh, UL Boas, etc., they find it hard because when you play schools rugby, rugby, um, you're not allowed to, to compete at club level. So, I mean, like... Is that something that needs to be looked at in the GA, Jamie, or like I mean, will it just <coughs> have a, a negative effect, as in the rugby example? No, I think, and I
1: think that's probably led by the IRFU, I'd say, or world rugby, more than likely. That's mm-hmm. just to protect the player, I'd say. And like I mean, I played rugby over the years. Um, fairly physical sport. Now it's even more so because everyone is faster and bigger and stronger. And the impacts that they're taking, if you are playing matches twice a week you won't have a career past 25. So they're trying to mind the player in a way, and I think we should be doing the same. Like, I remember when the league used to start back in October. Like, is there, is there a window there for the league starting in November and playing the first half of the league? And yeah, then well, the two months And then finish the league in March and April? I don't know, maybe there is, maybe there isn't, but playing two matches in a week is a waste of time for, for players and play at this level, because they're going to get hurt. Like, David, David Conroy from Mayo last night got injured as well. Do you think he's...
4: Yeah, he's Mark, cruciate,
1: yeah, yeah. On man, on he's yeah. Right. So Terry player came down to play Tipperary after playing with UCD, come on for the last ten minutes. A waste of time. He got 30 he's gone for the years. It's a five, six month season now. And player welfare has to come into it because you can't flog these players. They're just, they're going to end up injured and you know, it's it's the detriment of the club, I suppose, first of all, and then to the county second of all. And they lose their main player for nine, ten months of a cruciate injury. You know, it's not fair to be flogging them. They're, they're only amateurs. Like I know they love playing and all that, but you have to look after the players. If you don't, people will start walking away from it again.
4: Okay, well, you also have to look after you know your your regular grassroots players who aren't near that level. Yeah. How do you think? Do you think the split season obviously it's a positive? Um, it's a positive development for for a lot of club players. Where do you think the club game is at though? In general, and I'm not talking about competition. I'm talking about the appetite for it. In communities across the country, Colm, I'll come to you first. Both across football, hurling, Camogie, ladies football, what are you seeing in terms of participation down in South Tip?
3: Okay, I I think it's never been stronger. I think interest has never been greater. To be honest with you, I think that you know the club hurling championship and the club football championship in Tipperary last year were a testament to that. You know, the crowds were massive, the interest was massive, but. But as the lads were alluding to there earlier on, the the, the sacrifices now, even on a club player, I mean, our club are back training at the moment. We're back since, you know, the middle of January doing gym work and some field work, you Mm. know. And, 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 you know, if you're going to be successful in the club club this year, you're going to be going till next November. That's 11 months of training. You know, it's a challenge to keep lads interested. It's a challenge to keep lads fresh. It's a challenge to keep lads focused. But, you know, most clubs will say, well, if we don't go back training, you know, the next door neighbours are back training and we're not going to, you know, we're we're trying to keep up with the Joneses a lot of the time, you know. And I think in fairness to players as well, you know, involved in Fitzgibbon and involved in, you know, under 20s or involved in seniors, they're in a no-win situation because no manager or coach is going to say, listen. I'm going to look, you know, well, very few of them are going to say, I'm going to look after your player welfare. Don't bother playing for my team tonight. You know, they want their best players available to them all the time. And if you're one of those best players, you're getting pulled on by three or four or five different teams the whole time. You know, and even, you know, when I was growing up, lots of lads played hurling, they played soccer, they played rugby, they played rounders, they played skittles, they played everything. That's increasingly becoming difficult now because, the demands on players in all of those sports has gone up so much that it's very difficult not to just focus on one, you know, and, and that's, that's a little bit disappointing as well, you know, but sorry, to answer your question, I think the club game is, is in a very healthy state. I think there's, there, there's, there is a huge appetite to see games. Now some of that last year might've been when we were sort of left out after COVID there for a while after one of those lockdowns, you know, everybody wanted to to get out and see games again, but, you know, I, I I think we will see that again this year, and I mean, the lads the lads there will know better than I will. You know, particularly the hurling championship. I mean, the, 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 that was a highlight last year. There was some brilliant games, you know, and and brilliant excitement, culminating, of course, in the county final. Won't want me to mention any and and great games to be at and and to be involved in.
4: Yeah, and, and I mean, Kevin, like we hear, there are a lot of things emerging from the pandemic now. I mean. People have mental health difficulties to cope with. Uh, there's a, a well-acknowledged drug problem in, in a lot of communities across Ireland. Strikes me that the GA becomes additionally important in that context. In you know, in giving people a sense of purpose and uh, a healthy way to an outlet,
0: I suppose.
2: Absolutely, look. Yeah, the GA for me has to be about three things, and only one of them is your top level. Uh, has yeah. has to be about. Club. There's always going to be non hurling, non football things. Like, you know, the, the GA club will be the, will be the natural thing, you know, to get involved with, be a kind of fundraising or any of that, like, you know, the outreach into the community. That has to be there. If your top level stuff, bringing people together, and you've just your underage games, getting young lads out and getting young girls out kind of things and, and playing. They're the three things that GA clubs have that probably maybe other kind of soccer, rugby clubs, they're not that embedded into the community. We have to hang on to that,
4: I think. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Uh, I think we have um, a kind of a. I'll I'll pause the recording here for a second. Okay, so now we're going to look at uh, a poll we've been running online, and it's the best, the ten best tip hurlers of the past sixty years. Uh, now, Sean, you have some updated figures. I assume Patrick
5: Maher is featuring in there. He is. Yeah, at the moment he's number two. So he is. Um, we're trying to whittle it down to the top ten. Um, at the moment and then from then then we'll go from there voting down again
4: give us a taste of a few of the names I mean a lot of people at the will moment we...
5: so Owen Kelly's number one so you know yeah. first people God you know for a second session module kind of year, a lot of people are voting or maybe the social people are on social media more so they may have not seen the Pat Fox mm-hmm. the Jimmy Diles
4: okay that's you know. fair enough yeah that's a
5: good point so we've Owen Kelly one at the moment Um, and won 1052 rem-
3: votes rem- remind me of what division Owen Kelly's from again that's the South there, so sure, he is yeah, called yeah. him um, <laughs> yeah. the big
4: was ball, the big was ball division. Is <laughs> he the free taker? I think, yeah. That's
5: Back then, straight. Pretty intense. Finals as well. <laughs> like he's the first name that came to mind. Like when you mentioned top tip orders, like, he is up there, and the vote t- count for him is double out of like Nick English at the moment and Brendan Marren. Leave that. show. shows. Um, Parik Mare at the moment's number two. Um, only a couple of hundred votes behind them. As you say, there probably is a bit of recency
4: bias, which is obviously to be expected, but okay, we're going back 60 years, so that brings us back to what? Uh, 1960. I mean, the likes of there are Stakelms there, uh, there Kenny's, yeah, Doyle's, uh, of course, they all have to be mentioned. Anybody have any uh, understated guys who who may not make the, the top 10, but Probably
5: deserve a an honourable mention. Um, Mick Roach, there, you know, like I've heard yeah. of him up along as well. You know, like he's only on two hundred and eighty votes. You know, um, he's outside the top ten. Tomorrow, he may get in on a few late votes, but um, you know, and Jimmy Dial is only three hundred ninety-five votes for one of the greatest head player, ever to play in Ireland. You know, so like, and everyone has everyone can vote five times there's so loads of votes but you know they need to push these lads and some lads in the south or Kevin kind of looked at me and I said Mick Roach you know like, these players over like, what stories I've heard of them were phenomenal like you know Core Babs there and then only has 4, 144 votes so you know so people kind of voting in different ways as well so when you look at a tally which released there now um, in the coming days and try and get the final top i do oh, there to the website and pick away, like you know. So if you want to get your local division up there, get, me a good up. get the south rise, and that what they're saying. You know so yeah. they've lads. I might have there. a bit
4: of a. I'm I'm half to me vara. I'd have a bit biased for for Tommy Dunno. I can remember watching him lift Liam McCarty I was in my granny's in tomb watching him lift Liam McCarty So that's a fun, probably my first hurling memory. Tip hurling memory, I would think. Um, But I'm sure Tommy will feature, lads. Kevin, any any understated heroes of Tip Perlin. No, again before my
2: time, but um just looking at the top 20 TOing or TO or T O just even feature, which is again for Southman, that's a surprise. Babs yeah. is just there at number 20. Again, that's sacrilege to you know certain people down south of a certain generation probably won't be listening to this podcast in fairness. <laughs> but um you know he'd be in top five in many in many cases, um, a lot of forwards there as well. And I think that reflects even better on Paul. You know, Paulie to be a defender up, up, number, up number two there as well. Sam, sandwich between Owen Kelly and Shamey is just exceptional.
4: W- w- would it be fair to say on on Podrick as a defender that, that he's made defending sexy, so to speak? Because, I mean, as a youngster, you know, you take any kid, and they want to be up front, scoring points and goals. I mean, there is an art to defending. the The Italians demonstrated in 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 soccer. Like, do you think Podrick has done that? You know, beyond beyond just being a brilliant tip player, he, he's probably made the art of defending centre stage. Uh, Stephen, I'll let you come
0: in on that. Yeah, absolutely. Like, Poddy is a superstar. We all know the old forwards, they all get all the credit and all that. But like Paulie was featuring brilliantly in this poll even before his retirement, you know, so it's not an you know, old he's not getting sympathy votes, you know. It's not getting all yeah. oh, Pauly's you know, he's featured very high in this um in this poll. And uh I say every kid in the country knows who Paulie Maris. You know, like there's 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 backs around there, like that they're brilliant young kids in Lim in, in won't know other backs, but they'll know Paddy Maris. You know anyone that's any interest in hurling all throughout the country, they they know who Paddy Maris He's he, he's a, he's a superstar, you know, of hurling. And uh, you know, like as I said, was I he made it sexy again? Like you know, and I'm a back as well, so I'd be a hundred percent behind Paddy Maris. <laughs>
4: Colin, would you have any any preferences in terms of you know great tip players down the years? Ooh.
3: First hero growing up was probably Nicky English. You know, Nicky was God, and and that was it. You know, and and, and I would have seen English, you know, through through his best years. And you know, probably my ha- one of my happiest sporting memories, anyway, is the eighty seven, uh, monster final draw and replay in Killarney when the famine ended. And and you know, like you know, some of the lads there are probably a bit younger than me and yourself. Like English, English was English was like Maradona or Pele. You know, he was just a, a different class, out of this world for us. Um John Lahey I I give an super and, and hurler could play halfback, centre field, wing forward, you know, a guy that would grab a game by the scruff of the neck and, you know, also brought his county, like Nicky did, you know, brought their sorry, brought their clubs from, you know, won county juniors and county intermediates with their club and Lahey obviously went on to win a county senior with his heart with, with his club as well. Um Owen Kelly, I think probably is probably the, the best player I've seen play for Tipperary. You know, I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't disagree with. Well, maybe McLaughlin, the goalkeeper, who who I think won two All Stars game for Tipperary, which is those 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 guys would come into my head. And, and as you mentioned, just you know, Babs, who who gets a lot of. I suppose, (laughs) draws a lot of uh, attention onto himself, you know, rightly or wrongly. Um, But you you, you alluded to it as well. Babs, you know, to, to my father's generation, to guys in their 70s and 80s, Babs was, you know, he was the barefoot wonder, brilliant hurler, brilliant footballer. Babs represented the South Division when nobody else really was, you know, back in the early 60s, even before Mick Roach came along and then Theo, you know, and these guys were, were, were flag bearers for an entire division. So I, I think they all deserve to be mentioned. And it's a nice segue into, I suppose, what we spoke about at the start, about Tipperary Hurling and, and, and you know, where does Paul Maher feature in the panty and the great Tipperary Hurlers. Like the players we're mentioning here are, like they're, they're Rolls Royces, a lot of them. Like we're very, very fortunate in the county to have produced you know, so many good hurlers and to be part of such a rich hurling tradition. And, you know, maybe if I sounded a little bit negative earlier on, I certainly don't mean to be to be negative about our, about our prospects this year. As I said, there will always be hurlers in Tipperary. And, and the conversation that we're having at the moment, which is spanning 60 years, will attest to that.
4: Yeah, it certainly will. Know. And it'll be very interesting to see how the results of, those pole, uh, of that poll materialises. Uh, it should be one to watch over the coming week. Listen, lads, we'll, we'll wrap it up there. Uh, I think we've had a fairly substantive discussion anyway. We've got through an awful lot. Uh, sorry for the mournful tone, but I mean, Meyer will be a massive loss to, uh, to Tip Hurling as a player. Um, but I'm sure he'll have a significant influence in the years to come. So thanks, lads. Thanks. Thanks, time, time. thanks, Dad. Thanks thanks very much. Much. All okay. right, we'll leave it there. Sure.